This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye on a super soggy Friday. Uh, this is Sports Bar Radio, and I hope it finds you well. Episode number 100 and something. We got a really busy show today. It's amazing. There's a lot of stuff coming up this weekend. Major League Baseball, Vancouver Canadians finally finish up their high A season. BC Lions coming out with an extremely cool Indigenous tribute. Uh, Their logo is, they should probably change their logo to it. And so many more things. But I'm going to get you to that one part of the sports bar where we have that one story that just rises a little bit higher than the rest. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. So it's amazing how sometimes stories on the internet and things that you think of, these proverbial epiphanies, end up lining up. So a couple of days ago on my Twitter account, I said, name an athlete that you wished retired a little bit earlier than they did. And the reference that I used was Conor McGregor. And I thought I would get a few people that would respond. I ended up getting a boatload of responses. Everybody from Evander Holyfield, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Michael Jordan, The Undertaker, uh, Paul Correa. But what's interesting is every once in a while, you get a guy that you assume, Joe Montana, you get a guy that you look at that is in his, quote, 40s, which is, you know, long in the tooth by any standard in the world of sport, for the most part, and you say, you know what, that guy could keep going. That guy probably is going to finish exactly the way that he wanted, exactly at the time he's envisioned, and get it done. Tom Brady. So Tom Brady, at the tender age of 44, is still doing big things now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know the resume. Seven Super Bowl ranks. He could do no wrong. Right? I think everything that he's done in his career has been pretty Teflon, right? Married the supermodel, seven Super Bowl rings, he's got the looks, he's got it all. He's well-spoken, he's respected. Nothing that Tom Brady has done has really drawn a lot of flack. I had this conversation the other day about Tom Brady and Derek Jeter just being able to fly a little bit above the clouds and more than just ability. They never have their garbage, their baggage, if there is any, make it into the mainstream. It, it's uh, There's a science to it, I assure you. But anyways, let's focus now on the fact that he wants to play until 50. That is six more years of Tom Brady suiting up and playing his football in the National Football League. Unheard of. I mean, think about this. Already with the greatest resume in NFL football history, Tom Brady has aspirations. At one point, he wanted to play till 45, but telling Gronk on one of his podcasts that he wants to maybe extend this to 50 if he could. So it bears the question, is Tom Brady eventually going to become one of those athletes that you wish would have retired a little bit sooner? Now, this is before the injury bug, which swirls around every athlete, decides whether or not he's going to bite Tom Brady. It also has to come down with how long will the Tampa Bay executive keep that star-studded cast around Tom Brady. But when you think of athletes like Joe Montana and Peyton Manning and John Elway and the greats over the last, say, 15, 20 years, Brett Favre, we all knew that the finish line was there. And even though the jersey changed, 
and they were still competitive, quote-unquote, we knew that they probably should have retired a season or two earlier. I don't feel that with Tom Brady at all. If anything, I'm excited to see what the next two to three years do hold because he is a specimen in if you do everything right physically, if your diet is right, if you work out properly, if you study the game, if you follow the science, maybe you can do things that are unheard of and maybe you are blazing the trail for the next generation to do this as well. I'm not saying that every athlete should retire in their prime. Like, for example, take a guy like Barry Sanders, one of my favorite football players of all time. I personally feel that he retired early, that there was still stuff left in the tank. But you know what? He was done, he felt good, and he went into the sunset. Then you look at other guys that are grasping and hanging on, like a, a Vince Carter, for example. And I, I'm sorry that I'm jumping sports here, but you look at Vince Sanity for what it was, and then you look at the last three, four years, and sure, he was still making anywhere from, I, I, actually, I don't even know, what, $8, $12 million? Guys in the NBA at the end of the bench are still making more than most guys will ever make in their career. Tom Brady is such a pleasure to watch, not just on the field, but because he does things that are just unexpected, including setting precedents that just are unheard of. Like, for example, it's I shouldn't say unheard of. Satchel Page played into his 50s. Now, no, he wasn't playing in the National Football League and he wasn't winning Super Bowls, but it can be done where you can pitch effectively into your late 40s and, dare we say, even our 50s. Jamie Moyer pitched into his late 40s. Like, for example, I could sit here and rattle off guys that played into their 40s, but nobody's done it at the level that Tom Brady's doing it. Like, I think it's fair to say right now they're not the favorite, but they're in the conversation to win another Super Bowl or at least be competitive, which on its own is surreal. So when I think of the question that I asked the other day, name an athlete that you wished retired a little bit earlier than he did, I couldn't give you Tom Brady is the answer. I'm actually okay if Tom Brady rides it into the finish line. I'm actually okay if he takes that wave all the way to the shore because I'd love to see somebody push it. And if there's somebody that can, it's probably Tom Brady. And I'm not saying this is a public service announcement for the awesomeness that is Tom Brady. I just sit back and I say, it's kind of cool to see a guy in his mid-40s say, you know what? I had aspirations of retiring at 45, but it's still going pretty good, isn't it? Let's see if we can get this to 50. Athletes deserve that opportunity. And Tom Brady is an example of a guy that will never find his way onto that chart. Because what he is still doing at this age the efficiency, the effectiveness, the ability, the likability, and the resume states that he is just going to keep on going and we should just enjoy the ride. All right, let's get to the rest of the stuff. we got to talk baseball. Man, the American League and the National League wildcards. Is that not the greatest thing in the past generation that baseball's done? For everything that they've done wrong, the wildcard is an absolute smash of a success. I mean, think about it right now. Boston, the Yankees, and Toronto fighting tooth and nail for those two final wildcard spots. Love it. So let's get into it. We're going to talk tennis, UFC. We're going to talk about basketball, baseball, football. We're going to jam it all into that one room. We might need your shoe and need you to lean up against the door to make sure that we can close it, lock it, and keep all that stuff in there because I'm taking you to that one room where we got it all locked and loaded, where you, in just a matter of moments, are going to become the smartest guy at the water cooler or the smartest lady at the water cooler. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Welcome to the VIP 
Okay, so I'm going to start with some local stuff. If you're listening from Vancouver, the Lower Mainland, British Columbia, I'm going to start with a couple of teams that reside in the Lower Mainland. First is the BC Lions, who came out today with an Indigenous representation of their logo, which I think is an absolute 12 out of 10. It is there for the Reconciliation Day that is coming up, and I cannot tell you how much it probably means not just to the Indigenous community, but to us as a whole, when one of our professional sports teams gets it, quote-unquote. I have loved what the BC Lions for years have done on social media. I think Matt Baker and his team do an extraordinarily good job. I think what the Fraser Valley Bandits did in the Canadian Elite Basketball League out in the Valley was also pretty damn good as well. But every once in a while, when you see a team that doesn't force it, but just does it right, it is so endearing to watch. So even though this is a audio medium and you don't get the opportunity to quote, see it, go to bclions.com or heck, just go on social media. You'll find it anywhere. Uh, I love it. If anything, they could just as easily make that their primary logo. And I don't think anybody would bat an eye. It's beautifully done. I don't know the artist's name, so I can't really pay respects to that individual. But just as an organization to get it and put it out there the way that they did. I mean, even the fact that they've got orange in their color schematic just, you know, takes it to a different level. But uh, well done to the BC Lions. Let's get to the Vancouver Canadians who finish up this weekend their first full season since 2019. And they've played double the games. Usually, the Vancouver Canadians, or at least over the last 20 years, have played 76 games in the short-season Northwest League. While they have switched, they have, quote, moved up the ladder, and now are high A, where they have played, well, what will probably be, by the time everything settles here, weather permitting, nearly 120 games. All of them on the road. All 120 of those games were in stadiums other than Nat Bailey. And they took a skeleton crew down south. They kept a skeleton crew here in Vancouver. And they got through the season. Now, I'm not saying this because previously I had ties to this organization. But I just want to reiterate how hard that must have been for them to try and do what they did. And did successfully. There were certain nights in Hillsboro, which is a suburb of Portland, where they had hardly any fans. But they still broadcast. They still played the music, they still turned the lights on, they still tried to get as many tickets as they could out the door, they still turned on the concession stands, and they still played baseball. All so that they could remain a part of the conversation. So how do you look at this Vancouver Canadiens team that has now gone two full seasons without playing baseball at Nat Bailey Stadium? It's a really interesting one for me personally because I assume that when they do come back, fans will just come back in droves and everything will be as if it was. But now the clock starts to tick again. And the conversation isn't necessarily whether they'll be able to play a season next year. It's will they be able to play in Vancouver? Will they be able to get their housing families implemented? Will they be able to play at full capacity, which is just over 6,000 fans at Nat Bailey Stadium? As crazy as it sounds, there are still variables that the Vancouver Canadians will have to address because they are the lone Canadian team in a six-team division or six-team league, pardon me, that has five of their teams south of the border. Will the border open up by then? Will they have the ability to bring players to and from? Will they be able to conduct business as usual by the time the 2022 season comes around? They've released their schedule. They are putting tickets on sale at some point, and they're going to do everything that they can to pack the net and get things back to normal. But that clock 
has been their best friend and their worst enemy, and over the last 18-19 months, it has definitely been just painful to watch as all the other sports teams in the Lower Mainland get back to business. The Whitecaps, the Lions, the Canucks, the Giants. There is still this one team that has one or two hurdles to clear, and it is not their fault at all. It is just the reality of the fact that right now the border isn't completely fluid and that you do have an organization that utilizes a billeting system where you do put together local families with players that are coming from all parts of North America and Central America or abroad and trying to make this work. It's not a home run just yet. And so my fingers are crossed by the time the calendar flips to 2022 that all of those answers can be put by the wayside and we can simply get back to baseball as we know it. Do I think that by the time April comes around, any venue will be back at 100% capacity? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that all of these organizations are still going to have to adhere to some form of social distancing in some way, shape, or form. I'm not blaming anybody for it. I just think that in order to truly do this right, even if you get your vaccination numbers to, what is it, the 85% that you need to get to, I just don't know if by that time next year we will be completely comfortable as a society, the BC government, the health organizations, if they're going to be ready to get back to 100% capacity. I look at what's going on in the states, and make no mistake about it, what you see on TV and what the realities are are two almost completely different things. Like you look at wrestling, uh, you look at college football, college basketball, all of the regular sports, they're back at 100% capacity, and they're like, screw it. But I just think the way that British Columbia and Canada takes things a little more serious, I think we may need another year. And I'm not seeing another year where the Canadians are going to have to go on the road. I'm just saying it'll be hard for me to say right now as of the middle of September, that we will be back at 100% capacity in time for the 2022 season. Hit me up on Twitter. What do you think? At Rob Fay. Do you think by this time next year, well, actually, I shouldn't even say this time next year, by April of next year, of 2022, when the Vancouver Canadians pull back their curtain on what we hope is a season at Nat Bailey Stadium, that it will be at full capacity? It's an interesting one, isn't it? All right, let's move on past the Lions, past the Vancouver Canadians, and talk about the Vancouver Canucks, who are getting ready for training camp. And as of this, once again, show on a Friday, no Quinn Hughes, no Elias Pettersson signed. No lock signed to deals. And you hear certain people say that they're close. You hear certain other people say that they're not quite close. And you talk about the fact that maybe they're going to have to get rid of a player to fit them in. Other people are saying they don't need to get in. At the end of the day, this is going to get done. I don't think either side is going to be completely satisfied with what is put on the table. But at the end of the day, Elias Pettersson wants to play hockey. And the Vancouver Canucks want to make sure that he is playing hockey for them and for the foreseeable future. So what do you make of this conversation if we get to training camp and now neither of those players are in camp? Again, all speculative right now because I assume they will get done. And those contracts are probably on the table right now. Before J.P. Barry, Pat Brisson, before Jim Benning and the powers that be with the Canucks organization. But if this does go into training camp, who finds the pressure underneath them more? Is it Jim Benning? Obviously, he's the scapegoat here. He's the guy that built it. He's the, What's the old proverbial? Make your bed, you gotta sleep in it. That's what Jim Benning's dealing with on his end, because the numbers are exactly what they are. But on the flip side of this equation, let's not forget something here. Elias Patterson got rid of his previous representation and aligned with two absolute powerhouse guys. 
JP Barry and Pat Brisson don't go out there and try to do sort of kind of deals. They're looking for marquee deals because they are two of the heaviest hitters in the sports agency field. That was a strategic move by Elias Pettersson, who probably realized early on that he was going to need somebody who was not going to get him a sort of kind of deal, but get him the deal that he is deserving of. The other question is, I know that we are in love with Elias Pettersson. And I know that because of one night on sports radio where I question his ability to stay off social media, I am forever a hater, quote-unquote, of Elias Pettersson. But the reality is, is what if he doesn't take the first offer or two from the Vancouver Canucks? How long will it be before people turn on Elias Pettersson? I don't know if he's Teflon. Like, I know that we're all in love with him because he's the guy that showed up, won the Calder, he's a nice guy, uh, has done pretty much everything right in this city, although some would suggest maybe the injuries are a bit of a concern. I'm not concerned with them at all. I would suggest this. If it gets signed before training camp, everybody's happy, it's Christmas morning, and let's go try to make a playoff spot. But the longer that this drags into the actual training camp, or dare we say exhibition season, or dare we say the regular season, don't be surprised if people don't turn a little bit on Elias Patterson as well. Like, you gotta remember something, there's two sides to this dance. And even though Jim Benning hasn't put this team in the best fiscal position to just go out and make deals like this, like they're no-brainers, the players gotta dance as well. And if the player truly wants to be a part of the winning culture in Vancouver, quote-unquote, then sometimes they've got to find ways to fit into a situation to make sure that it is a winning culture. I'm not worried about Mitch Marner's contract. I'm not worried about all the contracts that are out there for Kale McCarr and what have you. These are two players that if they want to play in Vancouver, know what the current situation is and have to work with their agents and the Canucks organization to try and find a fit. Again, right now, all eyes are on Jim Benning. But make sure that if this does bleed into training camp, the exhibition season, or the regular season, that you weigh both sides of that scale. Because maybe Jim Benning has come with his best offer. Maybe Jim Benning has come with something that most would consider fair. Just make sure before you throw rocks and tomatoes at Jim Benning that you're looking at both sides of the equation. I think that's a fair ask. All right, to Major League Baseball, Toronto Blue Jays right in the thick of it. The wild card race in the American League and, heck, the National League for that matter as well. Both so fantastic to watch. I have not been as enamored in baseball's wild card race in years. It has been fantastic to watch. And if you're not watching, let me give you the Coles notes on where we're at. Yes, I am showing my age by saying Coles notes. The kids don't even know what I'm talking about. Let's get to the wild card, shall we? Toronto right now in with Boston, a half game better than the New York Yankees. Oakland, although they're running out of games, still very much part of the conversation, uh, and Seattle is four games out. It's basically a five-team race for two spots in the wild card. Toronto 8-2 and two in their past 10. Everybody else of those five teams that I mentioned, aside from the Blue Jays who are 8-2, and two, 500 or worse in their past 10. So as everybody's stumbling, the Toronto Blue Jays are standing tall and making a case that they might be the team. Will they catch Tampa? No. Tampa's going to win the American League East. We know that. But Toronto's got a slippery series coming up, and I'm not 100% confident that this is the team you want to see in front of you right now. The Minnesota Twins, who the Toronto Blue Jays are going to face seven times before the season is done. They're going to open up tonight in Toronto at Rogers Centre, it's going to be Michael Pineda, 6-8 with an ERA of 3.87, opposite Hyunjin Ryu, one of the aces for the Blue Jays, 13-8 with an ERA of 4.11. Here's the thing that I want to take into consideration right now. 
there is a player on the Minnesota Twins roster that would love nothing more than to have a say despite having a terrible past couple of weeks for the Minnesota Twins, Josh Donaldson. Donaldson in his last seven games is hitting 130. In his last 15 games, he's hitting 164. In the last month, he's hitting 248. It has been an unbelievably tough stretch for Josh Donaldson. But if he can get healthy, if he can stay healthy, Donaldson's bat will be a very interesting storyline opposite the Toronto Blue Jays. Donaldson, by the way, in his last two games against Cleveland, a collective 0-4-7 to drop his batting average on the season to 244. It's been a tough year for the former American League MVP. I got to think that Minnesota thinks they've probably got a bust on their hands. But Donaldson against Toronto, he's definitely a conversation piece, so we'll see how it goes. By the way, he's hitting 429 career against Hyunjun Ryu, so you never ever know. What do you think? Do you think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to find their way in just a couple of weeks left in the regular season for Major League Baseball? Again, hit me up on Twitter at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F is in Frank A-I. Let's take a look at the National League wildcard race. It is just as hot as it is in the American League. St. Louis and the Dodgers, those are the two spots. Now, Dodgers are in. So there's really only one wildcard spot and there's five teams that are technically vying for it right now. The St. Louis Cardinals have a half-game lead on San Diego, a one-game lead on Cincinnati, two-and-a-half on Philadelphia, and the Mets are hanging by a string. They are five games off the pace. St. Louis has needed five wins in a row to get into that wild-card spot. you got to remember, they got a great team. They went out in the offseason, got themselves Nolan Arenado. They're completely stacked against another team that is stacked in the San Diego Padres. Despite everything that the Padres have not been this year, even firing their pitching coach midseason, the Padres can still find a Band-Aid for their situation if they can somehow get into that wild-card play-in game against the Dodgers. Could you imagine that if it was the Dodgers and the Padres to find a way to get into the postseason, the real postseason? That would be extraordinary. And very quickly, I just wanted to say this. American League Cy Young odds in Vegas right now, kind of a two-horse race. It's Garrett Cole of the Yankees, Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays. Right now, Garrett Cole is a minus 118. Robbie Ray is a minus 100. Lance Lynn of the White Sox is a plus 1,025. So we're really down to the brass tacks of who it's going to be. And again, another 13 strikeout gem from Robbie Ray moved him to minus 100. Uh, Cole fading from minus 140 down to 118. The numbers for Robbie Ray are extraordinary, and Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins really have to have their fan base tip their cap to them. 12-5 with an ERA of 2.64. He's made 29 starts. He's got nearly 180 innings. He struck out 233 hitters this year, and he's only picking up steam right now. His next game on the horizon looks like he's going to have uh, two, maybe three more starts, depending on where the Blue Jays are and how they want to set up for the postseason in the event that they get there. But the numbers on Robbie Ray, extraordinary. If you think of where he was just a couple of years, struggling, scuffling, and then all of a sudden after his time in Arizona, Toronto takes a flyer on him. He has rewarded them mightily. The most starts that he's made in a season, 33, with Arizona back in 2019, but uh, even though he won't catch that number, almost everything else that he's got statistically are career highs. And it's an unbelievable story to watch. You know his whip is 1.01? Beautiful. Anyways, 
All right, very quickly to the National Football League. Uh, I, I Look, I'm, I could get you odds on all the sports, but how about this story? Everson Griffin is in concussion protocol, and I have never heard this before. The Minnesota Vikings player has a concussion that he sustained in a car accident on Thursday morning yesterday when he swerved to avoid hitting a deer. The four-time Pro Bowler is not going to be in their upcoming game this week. And for Minnesota, that's tough because uh, they need all the help they can get. Cleveland Browns ruling out Odell Beckham with a knee, Chris Hubbard with a tricep. Neither of those guys are going to play for the Browns against Houston. The Atlanta Falcons ruling out receiver Frank Darby against the Buccaneers. And the Green Bay Packers are placing pass rusher Zadarius Smith on the injured reserve with a back injury, but he will be back at some point this season, no pun intended. To the Octagon, big fights coming up on Saturday night. A very big heavyweight division clash. Anthony Smith squaring off against the Fortis MMA rising star Ryan Spann. Spann coming off a couple of losses, and many were questioning where he was going to finish the 2021 campaign. But he has responded with a couple of first-round stoppage wins and puts himself solidly in the top 10. Now, Smith closed out last year with a submission win over Devin Clark, then followed up with a big victory over Jimmy Crute in April to earn his second straight victory. So that is the headline card coming up this weekend on Saturday night for UFC Fight Night. That one from UFC Apex in Las Vegas. And college football south of the border, the big game, Alabama going into Florida for the first time in 10 years. Alabama ranked number one, Florida is currently at number 11. Crimson Tide and the Gators have played four times since Alabama last went to Gainesville, three of those games in the SEC Championship. The Gators have not beaten Alabama on a Florida field since 2006. All right, let's wrap up Sports Bar Radio. Yes, an abbreviated Friday edition. Wherever you're driving, if you're in the Lower Mainland today, please drive safely. It's super slick. Uh, after a whole season of hot weather, there's a lot of oils on those roads, and I just want to make sure that you can get from A to B. Hey, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to do this all over again. I want to say thank you to Jay Swing, producer extraordinaire, brother from another mother. I want to thank everybody at Equity Guru, Chris Perry, Galen, JP Chung, Asan, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. And just a reminder, coming out a little bit later today, the card for NEW2 that will take place at the Vancouver Convention Center with special guest El Fantasmo. Yes, if you're listening to this podcast and you stuck around to the end, you're getting news six to seven hours before anybody else gets it. See, that's the perks of listening to Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to everybody who has taken the time to listen, to subscribe, to review, to like. Until you and I get together on Monday, I am Rob Fay. Drive safe, take care, and I will see you in a couple of days' time. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself. This segment is brought to you by The Gaming Stadium. Canada's pioneering leaders in online esports tournaments, specializing in tools for league operators, tournament streaming, venue management, and community building. TGS has become a global leader in esports events, sponsorship, and production. With regular online tourneys for Fortnite, Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, Rocket League, and more, visit www.thegamingstadium.com to sign up and play. For investor information, check out the ticker symbol TGS.